All right. Uh, let's do the three countdown. Welcome to our brand new show, Immune to the System, with your host, Lila Hart. And Eric Avenante. My fiance. Yes, I put a ring on it. Oh, this side. <laughs> <laughs> there is technically a ring on that hand, though, on both hands. So yeah. I put a ring on both hands. So yeah, you did. This is way. Eric's uh, grandmother, Rachel's ring. Yeah, and then the other one is the ring that made it official. Yeah. Yes. So we are stand-up comedians from Los Angeles. California. We just recently moved to Texas. Ooh, Texas. Yes. We met, I, I met her, uh, I saw her on stage actually doing stand-up. And uh, it was not only love at first sight, but it was love at first set. I was just Aww. so impressed by her stand-up and how smoking hot she was. You know, I was like, that's the one. <laughs> That's the one. Oh, so, honey, you're so sweet. It was a little awkward at the time because I was with my ex-girlfriend uh, when I saw Lila, but I still knew she was the one. Aw, that's so sweet, honey. I mean, yeah, sweet for you. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, um, you know, it was just, she was so impressive with her material. And so, yeah, I booked her on one of my shows, you know. And then, uh, you know, made some moves from there. And then eventually she came over to, you know, film something kind of like this. My first show, Small Talk with Lila Hart. Yeah, legendary. And then, you know, we just, you know, kept going from there. She pretty much moved in, like, Yeah, we, we met in 2016, but we didn't get together till 2018. So, like, two years later, we had seen each other in the stand-up comedy scene in Los Angeles and... Um, you know, when I first started stand up, I was going to open mics like every single night, four or five times a night. And, uh, me and Eric got together in 2018. Yeah. It was like January. It was like the January of 2018. 2018 because in January of 2022, it'll be four years of, of us living together. I know. That's so crazy. Time flies when, when you're, you're having fun. Yeah. Yeah. One of us got the phrase right. <laughs> oh. But, you know, and so, yeah, it's just it's been like that ever since. But, yeah, I mean, we've gone through quite a journey. I mean, uh, 20, 2018, uh, yeah, we did we did a bunch of fun stuff. Yeah, but 2018 it, was really fun. That's when I had my show, Small Talk with Isla Hart. We started a YouTube channel called Channel 310. We had a whole bunch of comedians that we would hang out with and film content with. And it was like such a fun time in our 20s because uh, I just turned 30. We got engaged on my 30th birthday. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. July, I'm a Cancer. Yes. For any of you astrologers out there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was great. And then twenty late 2019 to 2021, things started to really change in our lives pretty rapidly. Oh yeah, a lot changed. You know what? Here's the thing: Los Angeles 2019 was a fun place to be. I had a great time. My show was really picking up. Small talk with Lila Hart. We took it from a, um, a show that was just filmed on a couch to a live show, Small Talk Live, where we would perform at a theater called Skiptown Playhouse. And we had eight episodes, and it was freaking awesome. Musical then, guests. Yeah, we had musical guests, guests uh, comedians, and we'd sit down together on a couch and talk. It was, like, super fun. But then, you know, the new year came, and... Everything changed, just like for everybody else in the world, things changed. But definitely in our lives as stand-up comedians, um, things changed completely, especially because there were no more open mics, obviously, and people started doing Zoom comedy shows. I'm sorry, I am not a Zoom comedian. I'm just not. I I did three Zoom. I've done three Zoom comedy shows, and every time after each of my Zoom comedy shows, I always ended up crying because I was just so embarrassed at, at how horrible I'm doing on a Zoom comedy show in my living room. And you know, it's 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 not a real comedy because you don't really actually get to connect with people, and so that's the. That's the main crux of doing comedy is, you know, it's it's not just, you know, make people laugh, but connecting with people and telling your story. But yeah, that to me, this brings us to the name of this show. It's called Immune to the System. And for those of you wondering what that even means, well, Immune to the System is essentially, you know, 
meaning that you yourself are not a slave to the system. The system is all the things that try and control you and dictate what you do. You know, you're the media, you know, Hollywood, Big Pharma, the government, etc. And, you know, being immune to the system is not letting those things control you and actually seeing through the lies that they're trying to tell you to control you. So breaking the illusion, you know, to getting you out of the system. You know, a great example of this is like Neo in the Matrix, uh, Morpheus in the Matrix. When he gives the red pill, he is therefore making you immune to the system, hence the term red pilling you know, um, the V and V for Vendetta, you know, he's helping citizens of that country, you know, become immune to the system. Uh, in 1984, Winston Smith, that's one of the great examples of being immune to the system. So, yeah. This COVID-1984. Is, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's just this is for us, you know, when we started doing comedy, you know, we were not immune to the system. No, we were definitely part of the system, and we didn't even really realize it. Well, I would actually say we were striving to be part of the yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, that's more like it. You know, we, we were striving to be part of the system. That's you, a good way to put it. For us, we were trying to make it so that we would yeah, be one of the power players make in the it. system. You know, I had to make it in stand up in order to be happy, and all of our friends, we needed to make it so we could be happy. But the issue is with some of your material, it, you really couldn't have made it when you were, you know, trying to be, um, you know, trying to be part of the system because a lot of your material was going to wake people up and make them immune to the system. Your set in a large part was a red pill. Oh, well, thank you, honey. And what I didn't realize about Hollywood and, you know, um, the whole entertainment industry was that they teach you your habits and what you're supposed to talk about and that's why you only see certain perspectives in the entertainment industry yeah i you know what i think is interesting is we have a society that wants to make people be victims you know you're a victim of this or victim of that and i really don't live my life like that i'm a victor in this life and i like to think that i can create my reality and that i can overcome and accomplish great things, and I don't want to be controlled by other people. Yeah, but that's not part of the system. The system wants you all to be victims. The system wants you all to complain instead of realize, oh, I have a lot of strength, and I actually can control a lot of my own destiny. Yeah. And, you know, that's part of why I was attracted to Lila was she realized that she could control her own destiny. She never made any excuses. Like you see, that's very popular today. And I feel like that's part of why she was the one to red pill me. Oh, I was like your Morpheus. Exactly. Um, what do you think that was like? like? What was it like when you first tried to red pill me? Because I... Before you get into it, I will admit, I was quite resistant at the beginning. Well, you know what's interesting is I think that in 2019, I was so focused on making it. And then 2020 happens and, you know, I, I can't go out and do stand-up. And you're kind of forced to, like, be at home with your thoughts and think about the world and think about life. And when, when this pandemic first came out... <laughs> like a movie when this pandemic <laughs> pandemic first came out i remember being in costco it was march of 2020 and they told everybody that we needed to donate our masks to um the nurses they weren't telling people to wear masks in the stores yet and i remember being the only person in costco wearing a mask and fast forward you know to june of 2021 and we're at trader joe's and we're the only people without a mask it was really strange to me but the reason i was wearing the mask was because this had first came out we didn't know what this virus was and i i listened to the media i was like i'm gonna wear this mask and i uh, i was i was going somewhere with this you know because i was asking you about how you red pilled me so you were kind of going through your progression of it you know and, you know, for, for me, I, I agree with her, we, you know, because, you know, she had, 
she had kind of red pilled me from like i would say december 2019 all the way up and you know it's not you just swallow the red pill and you're red pilled you know you she most people crush up the red pill and then you get micro well okay here's the thing i was watching a lot of cnn in the beginning and then i was just starting to get i was just starting to feel something in my soul and my gut like to feel kind of skeptical of this yeah this discernment that's what it is and the reality is i feel like i am like a born-again conservative you know and i really started to develop my relationship with God again and in a lot of ways I I had strayed from my Christian values and I had strayed from my upbringing of what was important to me what the system wants yeah and so uh, I went on like my own spiritual journey of connecting back to God and I think that's part of what the red pilling was for us too yeah absolutely and you know you you were very instrumental in your discernment led to my discernment but my you had to begin the process yeah for both of us I, I think we went through a lot in the sense of we kind of the more awake we became the more friends we started to lose and um <laughs> that's really what it was is that we we lost a lot of friends in 2020 and um when you're kind of just forced to look at things without the influence of other people around you, which I think is like a blessing, is that in 2019, me and Eric had a lot of friends and we were always doing stuff with a lot of different people. And these last two years have really just been about our relationship together. So that's been instrumental in waking up. Yeah, and I think a big aspect of that is when you have love in your relationship you aren't seeking external validation from social media and you know seeking the approved opinions of the media and seeking validation from friends and so because of that we were very stern in our values and our beliefs we never compromised our value system and because of that you know there were a lot of people in la who societal pressure peer pressure forced them into not trusting their gut yeah and so i feel like that was a a big portion of why you know we lost a lot of friends in that way was because we had the bravery to have the opinion that the media was telling you you shouldn't have which was essentially don't believe the media yeah i i just think that a lot of people are living in fear and we're living in love in love (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and i i think that you know when you have love it just gives you some strength where you can really get through anything and that is you know that that is the main crux of it i mean you know she i think you when you were you were red pilling me you were able to have the bravery of like look he loves me it doesn't matter what i say you know he's going to always love me so i can have the trust and the understanding that i can red pill him and things will be okay cuz i think if we were early in our relationship you know, it's like you're on your first date and you don't want to go into like... You just like don't want to just jump down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, the, you, your relationship might not come back out of the rabbit hole. But with us, we were so committed to each other. It was like, well, it it doesn't really matter what I say. I might as well let him know what I think. And, you know... Like Michelle Obama's a man. Or that there's just pedophile rings amongst the <laughs> Hollywood elite, the media elite, or anybody. And, you know... You know, it sounds shocking to hear this. Like, oh, they're crazy. They're conspiracy theorists. Well, let's take you back down to, you know, 1964 when JFK was shot. I think it was 64, maybe 68. But anyways, in the 60s when JFK was shot and assassinated, there was, you know, there there was this narrative that the, the government and the media was trying to push that it was this guy named Lee Harvey Oswald 
who had, you know, who had shot JFK. And then, you know, there was a report called the Warren Report about how this had happened. And if you didn't believe the Warren Report, you were a conspiracy theorist because you didn't believe the media. Now, the prevailing opinion, now that we're kind of far away from it, and, you know, the government's been releasing documents about it, the, you know, prevailing opinion is, yeah, um, the, <laughs> we, no one believes the Warren Report, really, at this point. And so that's a great example of, like, it's a conspiracy theory until it is truth and fact. Most of the time, it is considered a conspiracy theory. You just got to wait some time. Back in, the, back in the 60s and 70s without the internet, it was decades. Now with the internet and social media, it's like six months. Yeah. I just, I feel like uh, it's crazy how this year we're, we're about to enter, a, you know, 2022. Just scary, 2022. Wow, uh, but this last year has felt... Like so many more years because of all the stuff that is happening. And also the fact that Erica and I are now homeowners in Texas. If you would have told me in 2019 that, Lila, you're going to be living in Texas, I would have not believed you. There's just no way I would be in Texas. And now we're here and I am so grateful that we're here. Um just three months ago, we got here in September, but just three months ago when we first got out here, it was so emotional for me because I felt like in LA, I was so surrounded by all of my friends and people that I love who have just fallen so deeply into this narrative that's been given out by the media of what to believe and what to do. And I felt like I couldn't speak. I felt like I couldn't express my opinion I felt like I couldn't question things and if I did I would be labeled a conspiracy theorist or an anti-vax person or just crazy yeah and I think uh part of the reason why you know why are you talking about being red-pilled because it happened right as this whole pandemic or scamdemic or plandemic whatever you want to call it it happened right as this started to really come up so as we were being red-pilled and, you know, really seeing that the emperor had no clothes, everyone else was really falling in lockstep with the narrative. And so, you know, like, like she said, when, you know, when we, we were early on finding out about the, you know, about the situation in China and all the lockdowns and how they're controlling the, you know, their citizens over there and how a lot of them want to be immune to the system, but they've made it so you can't. You can't even talk about being immune to the system over there. They'll shut your ass down. And so... And we can barely talk about it here now, too. Oh, yeah. And it's it's quickly we are coming becoming more like them than, you know, they are becoming more like us, unfortunately. And so, you know, as we started to see this, you know, we were one of the... You know, we were one of the first ones to, you know, be, be concerned about the situation and... You know, and then it quickly flipped where we realized, okay, well, there's not much to be worried about once data comes out that it's, you know, 99 point whatever percent chance of living. You're like, okay, I'm good. But as we started to come out of the media illusion, we saw everyone get cast under the media spell. And when you're in California, it's like 90, 10. Yeah. In terms of the percentages of who is, you know, controlled by the illusion of versus who isn't. Yeah. And also the worst part about it for me is that um, comedians who are supposed to be questioning, you know, questioning this narrative have really kind of changed their stand up to fall in line with being part of the system. You know, I with all the vaccine mandates, I wasn't allowed in the comedy store. And I've talked about that on other podcasts, but uh, I wasn't allowed in the uh, comedy store on Sunset. And to find out that a lot of people in LA have fake vaccine cards and they don't actually believe in the system, but you're falling in line with the system when you even have a fake vaccine card because it's just, it like, for me. <laughs> it's just basically saying, you know, hey, you know, 
even if you are, you know, uh, not under the spell, it's a it's a little card that says, "Look, I am under the spell. Don't worry, I I follow the system." And in the end, if you are forced to do that, you are part of the system. Even if you might, you know, be aware of what the system is doing, you're still controlled by the system, and that's uh, really unfortunate because it was very intelligently designed of how to boil the frog one degree at a time until it got to the point where it was hard for most people to be brave and to jump out of that pot most people were the frogs that were just stuck in that pot forever and i guess the worst part about it too is like there's a lot of people who are benefiting from this financially a lot of comedians who are performing at clubs where they require the man the mandate and you know they're benefiting from it because there's other comedians who are not performing there like myself and i think i'm pretty damn funny okay and <laughs> i'm not going to be performing at those comedy clubs nor would they probably want me now with that uh, my free thinking thoughts yeah the censorship really got to the point where if you spoke out against the system in any way you wouldn't even have access to be able to speak out against the system. So you started to get a, getting banned from social media. They wouldn't allow you on legacy TV. And then you wouldn't even be allowed on the stages to talk to people publicly in free-thinking forums like a, like a comedy club used to be. Now the comedy club, the gatekeepers within the comedy club... They don't allow. They they really are now going to censor you based off of you know who you are and what you believe in. Yeah, and the worst part about this is you know these jabs, vaccines, whatever. We're gonna get censored for this video. Um, they're killing people. I mean, I'm on a Telegram group. It's COVID vaccine injuries on Telegram. Look them up. And every day there are different people who have been injured, who are now disabled and are dead from blood clots, myocarditis, um, heart attacks, uh, other different disabilities that are coming from these vaccines. And it's being completely suppressed, you know, and I think it's, as time goes on in 2022, it's going to be harder and harder to hide that. But the thing that makes me the most sad about it is, it's, is everybody who's taken these shots are really victims to me that they're, they're victims of uh, this mass media manipulation. And a lot of times they've taken this because they think that they're helping other people and they want to be kind hearted and to help others. But really you're just falling in line to the system and you're going to have to get more and more and more of these shots that I just truly don't believe are beneficial in any way. Yeah, and so for us, we were, you know, we weren't cast under the spell anymore, so we started to have the bravery to even think differently. And so we started to notice, hey, you know, the people who were telling us, who are telling us to get the shots, they were the ones who in the beginning of this were saying, Masks don't work, and then they do work, and then they don't work. Well, they do work. Donate them to the nurses. Uh, well, these ones don't work. The This special kind, those work. And so when you start to realize, oh, there isn't a lot of consistency with what they're saying, and then you see those same people not wear the masks that are supposedly helpful. Uh, Obama has a birthday party where none of his guests have to wear a mask. You know, you look at all of these different things and you start to realize, oh, you know, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm not, I don't need to listen to these people, you know, and that's a... a well, it's not only that for me, it's like, I've spent the last year really working on my physical health. You know, I've stopped drinking. I've stopped smoking. I've started working out. I drink a lot more water. I take a bunch of different herbal medicines and vitamins and, you know, really have tried to grow my relationship with God spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And it's funny to me that I have not been sick in the last two years. In fact, I feel the healthiest that I've been physically. And a lot of my friends who are in Los Angeles who are triple jabbed, you know, I talked to one of my friends and I told her, you know, I, I haven't worn a mask since I've been in Texas and I do not plan on ever being part of this experiment. And she was like, well, I hope you don't get sick, even though she's been sick 
three different times this last year and she's triple jabbed, you know? So I just find the irony of it is like people are under such a mass spell. It's like it's harder to admit. It's hard to admit that you're wrong. Yeah, when you're, when you're within the psychological operation, it's hard to admit that you are delusional because of the PSYOP. And so it's, re- it's really tough for people to understand that, for instance, you know, the healthcare industry, it really should be called the sick care industry because they, they don't make money when you're healthy. They make money when you're sick. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, they're not someone to talk to about, you know, the advice because their advice is an ulterior motive with a financial incentive towards actually telling you ad- advice that would get you sick. It's like asking a barber if you need a haircut. Well, of course you do. (laughs) And you need me to cut your hair. So the issue is with the pharmaceutical industry and the healthcare. And we're obviously not talking about the lower levels of people within it, like nurses or pharmacists, like lower level pharmacists. We're talking about the people who actually control the entire industry and the operation. The people who are making the big monies. Yeah, I mean, you know, those are the people that are the ones who are telling you all the advice so that you have a faulty immune system. And when you have a faulty... And a weakened immune system. And when you have an immune system that is weakened, you aren't able to take care of yourself, and then they make money. This all ties back to money, and I just... It's a it's really a miracle that we were able to escape. And I know it sounds crazy to say that, but like we escaped California. But it really feels like that. It was it was a really kind of scary decision in the sense of we don't know anybody out here in Texas. We kind of just picked an area to go to, didn't have any friends out here, and really just made this big move. And for me, I wasn't I wasn't as scared because I have Eric. You know, and I moved to Los Angeles by myself when I was 20 from Washington State. I did that drive by myself. So it would, it kind of made it easier to have my partner, my fiance with me making this big move. But it was really scary in the sense that I had built my whole life, my whole career, the last 10 years of my life, the entirety of my 20s in California. And then now to be 30 in a brand new state with a brand new state of thinking. And like, I feel like a born again conservative, really going back to my Christian values. And, you know, it was, I'm just grateful that we're here. But it's really been just such a journey because we've just losing as many friends as we've had and just kind of, but I am grateful we've gained some new friends out here, but it's a big change. Oh yeah. And you know, uh, it, it took a, mu- a bunch of different steps for us to really be done with California. You know, it, you know, there were, there were various stages like for a lot of, for a lot of it though, the, the common denominator was we continually pushed back against the system as more and more people became beholden to it and bowed down to it. And we just kept sticking out like sore thumbs. Yeah. I I think what's crazy to me is that we left September 14th and August 29th. I had the biggest show of my entire career at the Ford Amphitheater, which was amazing in front of 800 people, but I was the only unvaccinated performer on the show. I had to get a negative COVID test, and which I had to pay for, which is crazy to me that I was never reimbursed for that. I had to pay for it. It was like 150 bucks for the COVID test. And um, then I, I got a standing ovation. It was an amazing experience, but I also... But then that was what I realized that I wasn't going to be able to perform at any other comedy clubs because despite having a medical exemption, the comedy store wouldn't even let me in. So that was really like the end of it for me was that there's really no point in being here in L.A. if I can't perform and do what I love even after getting a standing ovation and being really great at what I do just simply because I will not go in line with the system and get a vaccine. Yeah, I mean, there were various moments like that where we wouldn't, you know, go along with the system and we stuck out like sore sore thumbs. I mean, I would say one of the one of the defining moments for us was, you know, we after a while we wouldn't wear masks uh, in any store no matter what. 
And there was a short period of time where both of us were in separate places where we weren't wearing masks and double masked people told us that they hope that we died. Yeah, they hope that we died and that we were horrible human beings and we were the reason uh, for everybody dying yeah, as you, well. You start with your story first. I was at Starbucks and um, this was in July and I was there with my with my friend and we, we go in and we were wearing our masks and then I just had this moment where I was like, I'm not doing this. I am not going to wear this damn mask. I took off the mask. I ordered my drink from the Starbucks employee and she had no problem accepting my drink order and I paid for it. We're standing waiting to get our drinks and the, the employee that was making the drink decides to yell at me and say, you need to put on your mask. And I'm like, just make the drink. And she's like, well, you need to put on your mask. And I'm like, would you rather I go get my money back and then instead of making the drink, because I'm not going to be put putting on my mask. And she was like, yeah, you can go get your money back. So I walk back up to the other Starbucks employee. I proceed to get my, a refund because she is refusing to not to make my drink and I'm not wearing a mask. And as she's refunding me, there's a six foot tall man ordering a drink. He also does not have a mask on. I'm like, oh, this is great. I've got a buddy here. And I look at the Starbucks employee and I'm like, so are we just picking and choosing who we're going to discriminate against because you're accepting his drink order? Is she going to make his drink order because he's not wearing a mask? And she goes, sir, could you put on your mask? And this man puts his mask on. I remember looking at him and being like, really, really, dude? And that's when I took off into kind of this like speech. And I was like, how long are we going to do this? Are we really going to be wearing these masks for this long? And everybody's looking at me. There was a woman who she didn't have a mask on and her child didn't have a mask on. And she looks at me and she's like, thank you. As she's doing that, this guy with two masks on walks by me and he's like I hope that you die you're the reason for this you're the problem and I'm like dude you have two masks on but whatever another guy with the mask on tells me he's like well I own a business you know and we should just really follow what these businesses want us to do and I'm like dude shut up like these masks don't work and I'm done I'm done doing it I don't want to do it anymore and I was just so over it and this was really such a moment because my girlfriend who I was with at the time this was the first time she had seen me. Um, she this is this was the first time I kind of like outed myself, I guess, with the how I felt about everything. That's why you were wearing the mask because you normally wouldn't wear. A yeah, mask. I wouldn't wear a mask, but I would wear the mask around my liberal friends just to make them comfortable, you know. And when they were having conversations about stuff, I would just keep my mouth shut. When they were talking about whatever political things how they felt I would just keep my mouth shut but honestly I felt like Anne Frank with my thoughts and it it gets to a point where especially if you're a stand-up comedian and you're so used to being on stage expressing yourself I was starting to feel like I it was just like this thing in my chest where it was getting harder and harder to be quiet and then I just snapped you know so I knew at that moment in that moment that our friendship had had changed because she was and it, it not not for me. I mean, I, I love all my friends dearly and I accept them as they are. But it, sometimes I just I just kind of felt like it had changed a little bit at that point. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And how did how did that feel when you took it off? It felt so freeing to take it off, you know, because I could breathe and think. But um, it also made me feel kind of like I'm four foot six. I'm a disabled woman and I'm in here without a mask while everybody is like yelling at me that I should be wearing this mask when wasn't I the person we're supposed to protect so if the person you're supposed to protect is like hey I'm over this these masks don't work they just don't work and yeah that that was part it's a good point to bring up that was part of the psyop was at the beginning it was this was all about protecting people like her and so at the beginning when we weren't fully red pilled we were you know we we had kind of followed that that notion until we had figured out for ourselves that oh they were lying to us but then after almost a year plus well you know what else i think is funny too is like um i have my medical exemption because 
I am prone to blood clots because of the type of blood that I have. It's like certain gene or whatever. And the fact that I even have to give out this information is ridiculous. But anyways, I'm prone to blood clotting. So that's why I'm medically exempt. But to be frank, I just don't freaking want one. I don't want it. I don't want it at all. And for a while amongst my friends, I was able to kind of skirt around things because they'd be like, oh, well, Lila, you're different. You're you're medically exempt. So it's okay that you don't have one. And I would have to just, you know, just, it's kind of funny because I guess in the beginning I was like, oh, it should be a choice. And we, you know, if you want it, you could have it. And But now I'm at this point where it's like, it doesn't work. You can still get sick. In fact, all of my friends who've gotten this triple times are all sick with COVID. So it's like, I think they're pretty worthless. In fact, I... Detrimental. I, I know more people who have suffered from uh, side effects than who have actually been... Like, and here's what it is, really. The people that I know who have gotten this vaccine... A, a big majority of them didn't believe in the vaccine. They got it because they wanted to keep their jobs, because they wanted to be able to go to concerts. Go to they, a Raiders game. They wanted to go to a comedy club. And that's why I'm so upset, especially at some of these stand-up comedians who have these fake vaccine cards. You don't even freaking believe in this, but you're going along with this, and then you're letting your fans think that you're vaccinated, and then they're getting this vaccine because they're following you. I mean, it just sickens me. It really just, it really breaks my heart. Yeah, and um, that's why your moment of bravery was so important and why when you took off the mask and you didn't, you know, because you, you would always, you would always not wear the mask. When you, when you took it off in front of your friends, that's the true moment of bravery because it's that moment of, you know, you're not embarrassed in front of your friends to show that, yeah, I don't believe in this and i don't follow what they're telling you and that was your immune to the system moment yeah yeah it was and for me i had you know multiple moments like that and we'll get into a couple of them but my uh, i hope you die i hope you die moment was I was, you know, in Wells Fargo and I was trying to get my cashier's checks. So we could pay rent, you know, it was a monthly ritual that I had always done. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to say August of 2021, somewhere around there. Hers was obviously July of 2021. And so uh, for me, I'm, uh, you know, this, you know, I might be getting the timeline wrong in terms of the, the time period, but I can tell you this for a fact the mask mandate in LA the previous week or so was was gone and then it had just been enacted so whenever that timeline is anyway so I had been, and I had been in there the previous week without a mask and it was allowed and so I go in there to get my cashier's check this time it's, it's it, you know before when I went in there it was like to get like 20 or 40 bucks probably get weed or something this time i actually need to go in there i need to pay rent this is the only way my landlord allows it is if i get a cashier's check and so it is a necessary thing i go in there and you know i as soon as i walk in the guard you know is trying to get in with me i was like you know in the end the sheriff alex villanueva of los angeles he said that he's not going to enforce this so if the sheriff says he isn't going to enforce it, then you're trying to enforce something that the police don't want to enforce. And therefore, there really is no mechanism for you to even punish me. So you're the one choosing to enforce this law that isn't even being enforced by the police. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I, I stood my ground you know, I, I had a couple back and forths with the, the, the guard, the tellers. And then it got to the point where I was fighting verbally with half of Wells Fargo. <laughs> it was a long line, and it's the first of the month. So everyone, it's a long line. Everyone's like there. And, you know, uh, the first person was like, oh, well, then why do uh, doctors wear them? And I was like, well, 
surgeons wear them only for open wound surgeries you know like when you're cutting open someone's heart and technically they they have to change them every 30 minutes or else they aren't hygienic we don't do that and on the side of the box of the masks it says that it doesn't help with any respiratory disease so I am sorry that I read the box. And so we got a couple more back and forths. And then at some point in between the back and forth. Oh, and there was another one. It was like, oh, 43 of 47 studies say that it doesn't work. You know, da, da. And then at one point, uh, I get, someone goes, I hope you die. I hope you die. And he's, you know, double masked. And then in the midst of him saying it like a third time, I go, well, why haven't I died? And he didn't have an answer. And I said, you know, there are homeless people. They don't wear masks. They yeah. are fine. And speaking of the homeless situation, the homeless situation in Los Angeles is just out of freaking control. That's another reason why we left. I mean, it was just out of control. Tent city galore. Our townhouse across the street, there were lots of homeless people. Homeless man that was just flashing people every day. Police would never do anything about it. I went to the nail salon to get my nails done. And this homeless man stripped down butt naked in front of the nail salon. A social worker on a bike came over to try to talk to the homeless man. He ended up getting punched in the face by the naked homeless man. Nearly had his bike stolen. Yeah. And that's when the police decided to show up. But you know what I find interesting is... Do you remember um, when these vaccines first came out and they had that nurse uh, take the vaccine on on live camera? And then she, and, like and she fainted. fell over and then they had to cut the camera. So that was, I remember going deep into researching that and finding her Facebook and her husband's Facebook and like all of her different family members and then seeing a death certificate. And this lady died. She died from the vaccine, okay? And it was covered up completely. It just like it, <laughs> We haven't heard from her since, so I think it's a good Yeah, she's good but, but but the thing is so much has happened in the media since then that like it just gets covered up more and more and people forget that. Down the memory. And again, like I said, a lot of people I know only got this vaccine because of their job you know my best friend who was a nurse she got the first vaccine had heart issues right after has is on a heart medication i spent weeks and months talking to her do not get the second vaccine i shared different studies with her i showed her different people who have died but she really wanted her job so she got the second vaccine and here's the thing it's like because her her uh the children's hospital that she works at was going to fire her for not getting the second uh, vaccine they mandated it and even though she didn't want to and even though it had fucked up her heart from the beginning she was you know I feel like medically raped honestly that's how it feels is like you're you're being forced to do something by your employer that you don't actually want to do and she got the second vaccine and that's part of why we are doing this show now immune to the system because I really like I've spent so long trying to individually red pill people different people in my family and I am so grateful that my parents haven't gone this vaccine my two sisters and my nephews will not get this and because I I really like spent a lot of time sharing information with them and I just kind of came to this realization of like you know at this point fuck it like we're here in Texas now you're gonna get censored might as well try to share this information with other people out in the world. Let you know that you're not alone. If you're feeling crazy, you're not alone. If you don't want to get this damn shot, don't do it. More of us need to stand up. More of us need to have those moments where you just take off the mask. Stop falling in line with what the media is telling you. Listen to the discernment in your heart. Form a connection with God. You know, it's because we, in L.A., they're like their god is money and power and i think that's why people in la are so easy to control that's deep yep and uh if you're if your god is god then you aren't going to be swayed by any earthly opinions and that's why they fear 
those who fear God and not fear humanly things. And that's part of why they have done a number on really demonizing religion and stigmatizing any of those people who follow it. It's because those are religious are the hardest to put under the spell of the system. And, you know, just to speak about, like, my own Christianity, for me, it's not just about the church. It's about your individual relationship with God. We all know what's right and what's wrong, you know, and we all know what's good and what's evil. And it's just about trying to be on that path where I'm not harming other people I'm not harming myself and I'm kind of living out God's will and not just doing everything my way and my will. And again, that's why we started the show so that we can hopefully just help other people wake up and feel less alone. You know, you're you're not crazy. You're not a conspiracy theorist. In fact, you're you're a realist because that's what's really going on in the world is uh, a lot of these conspiracy theories, they're they're not conspiracies. Yeah, you'll you'll be right in like six months. Just 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 be patient on the the whole conspiracy theory thing. But yeah, I mean, I I think it's a really important point that you made about like you know we tried to individually red pill certain people, and a lot of times it isn't really even successful. So you might as well broadcast it on a larger platform because then you can you know red pill people on a larger scale. And I think that's I think it's really important. Yeah, and I just want to say one last thing before we we end. Um, you know, I started stand-up comedy because I felt really alone. I felt, especially with having my disability, I have spina bifida. I know on camera you guys can't tell. You're like, she just looks like a regular small chick. Um, <laughs> What's spina bifida? Oh, spina bifida is a uh, congenital birth defect. It's like basically like being born with a spinal cord injury so when i was born my spine did not form correctly and and i had to have multiple operations on my back uh to be able to walk in fact they doctors told my parents that i would never be able to walk i would have learning disabilities and i might not even live to the age of 13 but i had some amazing surgeons who went in and did some operations and it is by the grace of god it's truly a miracle that i'm here today and so that's another thing too it's like I sometimes I feel like I'm living on freaking borrowed time. You know, every day really is a gift and it's about being in gratitude. But I started comedy again because I felt so alone. And it's so ironic to me that the first time Eric saw me was on stage. And it was the first time I'm I'm up there just owning who I am completely, talking about my disability, talking about what shame made me feel so ashamed but it was so freeing to be on stage to make jokes about it and to laugh and to free myself from that and comedy has already given me what I was looking for and that was love and accepting myself and now I'm just you know we're here in Texas because we want to get married and start a family and kind of build a relationship with God and with one another and you know just get closer to our families but so we're really starting this show, I guess, to, like I said, make you feel like you're not alone. And I'm not, it's not about making it anymore. You know, it's a really just about, I don't know, just being more grateful for this gift of life. Here's what's funny. Me and, and Eric. And being brave. And being brave. Yes, it's about being brave and not just doing what everybody else is doing. Yeah, for like for me, here's a great example of, being you know my version of being brave um i had a job you know i was working in a weed dispensary ooh, and i you know this was at the beginning i started when there wasn't a mask mandate you know and so you know when there wasn't a mask mandate it was optional and then it got to the point where it was mandatory and so if you don't know what it's like to be forced to wear a mask for eight hours a day, five days a week. It's totally dehumanizing. It really, you know, it muzzles you. It really teaches you to be, um, to follow orders, essentially. Well, that's another thing I want to just say as well. A lot of these people, a lot of my friends who were like, oh, everybody needs to wear a mask. 
they did not have to wear a mask for eight hours straight. You know, they would just wear a mask when at the store or out. But they did not know what it's like to wear a mask for eight hours standing and serving people. Yeah, and you know, it's it was really unfor- it was really uh, interesting to see the psychology of how it worked because. You know, for instance, at the dispensary, there are all these protocols that we had to follow. Uh, but it was just so that we wouldn't get shut down as a store. And we didn't follow any of the protocols except what could be seen. I mean, for instance, there was protocols of like doing a temperature check on the uh, employees. We never once did that. Not once in the history of me of like the near year of me working there do we ever do that. We had to sanitize things. We almost never did that except <laughs> when the uh, the administrator who could watch everything on camera, by the way, you know, welcome to the new age of uh, working where, you know, your, your admin is just watching you on camera all day. When the admin would remind us, hey, you know, uh, do, do that. And that was only after complaints online. You know, you, once you get a review online, you know, it's like, oh, well, they aren't you know, sanitizing enough. Then, you know, you would have to do that. But we almost never did that. I mean, the only protocol that we basically had to follow was we had to wear a mask. The customers had to wear a mask. Other than that, there was no real protocols that were, you know, followed. It was it was all kabuki theater. It was all kabuki for, theater. It was all for show, and you know, so it it, it was and it was really unfortunate because there were customers who wouldn't comply, and there was this one guy who was really cool about it, but he's like, I'm not wearing a mask, and they, you know, the all the employees were freaking out, and you know, they're in the front room, and I'm in the room with the, the weed, and they're all freaking out, and I can hear them over the microphone, and I was just like. I just hit the mic and I was like, hey, why don't I just walk the weed out to him to in the parking lot and then he'll give me the money. He was like, oh, great idea. But it's like, instead of having to dehumanize the guy or like, you know, make him out to be so bad, it's just like, let's just, let's actually, you know, find a way to still cooperate with our fellow humans. Because they, they all thought he was a bad person, but it's like, I totally understood where he was coming from. And so, you know, it, it, at that situation at that job kind of slowly degraded and you know my admin would literally she would be on camera watching me in particular because she she had doubt for me she didn't really like me and so she she would be watching me and if there was one moment where i put down the mask let's say there's no customers in the building and they aren't coming in for like 15 minutes right i have the mask on so i can read she would hit up the group chat and be like eric you aren't wearing your mask and you know it's it is really unfortunate because she got to work from home so she never had to wear a mask yeah. at, at work and then you know it was it's, in- it's, it just sounds like a lot of this was about control absolutely it, it it isn't about health or safety it's all about control very well said and so i remember one time at work we had you know like our you know meetings you know that we would do after work once in a while it was like it was like monthly or bi-monthly and you know we we all actually you know we we met up and actually the admin came for the first time in all the monthly meetings that we had done the admin and the owner were there and so the owner and all the the fellow bud tenders none of them were wearing a mask except the admin the assistant general manager and then the assistant to the assistant general manager, you know, the three highest ups. They were the ones wearing masks, but they even eventually they took them off because, you know, we were all smoking, you know. And so everyone has their mask off. We're talking company policy. We're smoking. We're having a good time. Anyways, November 2nd of 2020, I get called in. Uh, after after work, I get called in for a mm-hmm. meeting with my admin, and she says that I'm letting you go. I'm firing you. He got fired. And the reason is is because I wasn't wearing a mask at the meeting. And mm-hmm. I said, "Wait, the meeting where you weren't wearing a mask, the assistant." At, uh, the, the the general manager wasn't wearing a mask. The assistant general manager wasn't wearing the mask. The owner never wore a mask. And so I was like, 
so I am being singled out and discriminated against for this this policy. You don't have to wear a mask when you're watching us on the cameras. And, you know, so it and I'm this is just one small story amongst so many people who have the same story, whether it's a kid at school where a bunch of them are wearing their mask below their nose, but one of them gets picked picked. Yeah, on like my it. my nephew, he called me just a couple weeks ago and he was asked to go to the principal's office because he had his mask below his nose and um, his teacher complained and reported him to the principal and he was like everybody does that everybody in my school has their mask below their nose they just wanted to pick on me and so I think that's what a lot of this is it's about control it's about um, <laughs> discriminating against people who they think I, I don't know it's a uh, it's a lot of and it was the and for me it was the precursor to the vaccine mandates the jab mandates because yeah. this is before all that happened and luckily i'd never had to experience a job with a vaccine mandate and if you would have you would have quit and you know that's part of why we left los angeles because most of the jobs there that you would have been applying for and again what we do with stand up we can't even do what we love to do. I mean, I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to get into that. I mean, we wouldn't be allowed into any stores. We wouldn't be allowed into the grocery store to get food. We wouldn't be allowed to do anything without showing your papers and wearing some papers over your face. And so it's a it's a tough scenario where you know I, you know eventually. So I moved on from that job to. You know, I worked in outdoor renovation. So you had just done that show at the, you know, you had just done your show at the Ford Amphitheater and you had a, you had the show of your life. We'll get into that later. But so tell me about your last straw moment when you went to the comedy store. Cause you kind of touched on it earlier, but you didn't really get into the details. So let's get in the nitty gritty of it. And then we'll uh, talk about that was your last straw to, for us to leave. So I go to the comedy store. I have my negative COVID papers in my negative COVID papers, gosh, I have my papers with me, <laughs> and my negative COVID test, my medical exemption papers that I had to show the Ford Amphitheater in my bag with me. So I'm like, great, I'll go to the comedy store. I go there. Because I, I had known that they had their stupid little mandate or whatever. <laughs> but at this point, I was still kind of like, oh, it should be people's choice, whatever. You know, I'm medically exempt. I wasn't like fully full-fledged into we need to get the fuck out of here mode yet and, and I, I remember you were like well i have my my test so logically. yeah i'm like i'm like i have my test so logically like they'll let me in like you know this is whatever so we go there and i show my paperwork to the bouncer and he's like uh let me grab the manager first of all it takes a manager like freaking 45 minutes to come get like to come out and i'm like standing there you know looking super cute so this really like awesome outfit on oh yeah and um the manager comes out i show them my paperwork and also they 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 all know me okay i've been going to this comic club for 5 years they know who i was and they know me. Anyways, uh, they're like, we're sorry, Lila. Um, we need to have like our lawyer to see this paperwork. So you can give us this paperwork. We can go scan it. And then in three days, you can come back. And I'm like, really, dude? I was so pissed. So um, as I'm leaving, the bouncer tells me, um, he tells me, Lila, you should have just shown me a fake vaccine card and I would have let you in. And I was, that's when I was like, um, this is bullshit. So half of you know that this is all freaking fake and uh, you're literally not letting me in because you just don't want to you just don't want to and you don't like me so fuck it I don't like you either you communist commie store I was they were never gonna pass me there yeah, they didn't like me you know so fuck it and I made this little video which I posted on my Instagram and we can share that video hello my name is Lila Hart stand-up comedian we are here at the world-famous comedy store, and I just uh, got asked, well, I wasn't able to enter to the comedy store because I am not vaccinated, and even though I have medical paperwork stating that, they're still not allowing unvaccinated people into the comedy store. And so, yeah, I guess we won't be doing comedy tonight. <laughs> this is so it insane i cannot believe that we have come to a point where we need to have 
vaccination cards to go into a comedy place where I used to go into every single night in 2019. But hey, that's why you guys can see me in Texas. And that was the last straw for me because I realized I'm not going to be able to perform at any of these comedy clubs anymore. I'm not vaccinated. This vaccine is bullshit. These mandates are fucking bullshit. These these masks are bullshit. All my friends are brainwashed into believing the media. Um, I am Anne Frank with my freaking thoughts, and I'm just over this. And so, and it doesn't make any sense because if it was such a big deal, if it was about safety, then the fake cards wouldn't be part of this equation. Yeah. So it's all bullshit, and now we have a new show in our new house. And honestly, it's fucking dope being a homeowner. I love it. I had a friend on Instagram who's no longer a friend. They unfollowed me because me and Eric wore these shirts, which said that we were mass free. Got a lot of people pissed off on my Instagram over that. And they were like, oh my God, Lila, we don't even recognize you anymore. It's like, of course you don't recognize me because I'm a homeowner in Texas and I hardly recognize myself. But, you know, Lord, thank you. Thank you for changing us up. Eric's now a Jew for Jesus. And <laughs> life is good. Life is good here in Texas. We have a new show, I mean, to the system. We will be back tomorrow night. Um, we'll be doing this five days a week. Yeah, and no. just, just to let you guys know you're not alone. You know, you're not alone in your thoughts. And uh, we're not conspiracy theorists. We're born-again conservatives. And we're just we're just uh, going to be right in six months to a year, maybe even less. Yeah. And, yeah, so that was a great first episode. We covered a lot of pretty much our whole California stuff. So next episode we'll cover, you know, the move from california to texas and then yeah, how we got to here journey. to present day and all yeah. right and you know we'll also cover some news stories and stuff we just we had so much to cover for from our lives we haven't caught you up on so this was a beautiful pilot episode of immune to the system we really thank you for listening and we hope that you stay immune to the system see you tomorrow night see ya